Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning, and welcome to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're most welcome here. All that we ask is that you stay open to changing your entire life just by changing your mind. My name is Reverend Larry King, and I'm the senior minister here, and so glad you've joined us today. I do have a few announcements to make, and you know, I think I'm going to intersperse my joke right into the announcements. I know some of my listeners love hearing the Sunday joke, and I think I'm going to tell it right now if you don't mind. So Louis was shipwrecked and lived alone on a desert island for years and years, until one day he was finally rescued. Before leaving the island, he gave the rescue party a tour. I built myself a house, he said. Here it is. Here's the barn. And over here is the spiritual center that I go to. I built that too. As they were leaving, a gentleman asked, what's that building over there? Louis sneered. Well, that's the church I used to go to. And uh, the reason I thought that that joke would be appropriate today is some of us might be feeling that a bit. Some of us might be missing the connection that we had with our in-person spiritual center, with our ability to congregate together and love one another up on Sunday. And so I'd like to assure you that that connection still exists. So one of the announcements that I want to make is how you can stay in touch with us. First of all, we will have Sunday services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m., and I know some of you are tuned into that right now. We'll also have Wednesday meditations uh, using Zoom teleconferencing at 7 p.m. On Fridays at 11.30 a.m., I'm hosting Lunch with Reverend Larry. So if you want to see me, uh, you know, who knows, eat nachos while we talk about life in general and do a check-in, please consider that on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Details for joining us, details for all of these different ways you can participate are online on our website at cslportland.org. If you go to that main webpage, you'll see links to bring all the information you need for joining us on any of these various services and meetings. Today we're talking about a parable from Jesus the Master Teacher. We're using Irvin Seal's book, Learn to Live. It's one of my favorite interpretations of Jesus' parables. And I've chosen one today that I think is suitable for us right now at this time. And I'd like to read it to you. The good news is it's one of the shortest ones. I can read it a couple times. So it's from Matthew thirteen forty-four. Jesus the Master Teacher says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. So let me read it one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. As you know, in the science of mind, we like to interpret parables at three levels. And the first level, of course, 
uh, we need to talk about, well, what, what really did this mean 2,000 years ago? And I got to tell you, there's a joke hidden in here as well. Uh, so you're going to get two jokes today, although you might not laugh out loud at this one. Let's talk a little bit about what was going on 2,000 years ago. First of all, not a banking system involved, right? And of course, most people's wages, as we talked about last week, typically were just enough to cover their family's needs for a day or two. It was unusual for people to amass a lot of money that they would need to somehow take care of. Uh, Also at this time, of course, there was a certain amount of lawlessness. And so if it was apparent that maybe you did have a lot of money, you could be a target for robbers or someone who would come into your house and try to take it. So although it seems crazy today, it was actually fairly common that if people were saving up money, they would literally bury it somewhere on their property. And some of the things they would save money up for uh, might be a dowry for one of the daughters, or or it might be uh, saving up money uh, to take a trip somewhere or something like that. So it actually was pretty common. People would have uh, like a treasure box. And in fact, I'm pretty sure this is where the whole idea, right, of, of pirates and hidden treasure probably came even before then was the idea idea of putting your savings somewhere safe by actually burying it in the ground. Okay, so now on to the joke. Someone has buried this money, right? And someone else has discovered it. Well, uh, 2,000 years ago, quite a few of the people listening to this parable would have said, now wait a minute, finders keepers, right? What is this nonsense about selling everything I have in order to buy that land? I guess that that fits a certain sense of dignity or rightness, but but Jesus, come on, finders keepers. If we were walking along and uh, and did a little digging in a ditch and came up with a box of gold, really? Uh, really, we would sell everything that we had and tried to buy the land so that somehow we could dig the money up again and have it be truly ours. And so people would have laughed initially at this. They would have thought of it as a joke. So that's the first level of interpretation is just basically knowing what's going on here. A gentleman has found a treasure hidden in a field. He hid it again And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. So then let's move on to the metaphysical meaning of this. Well, first of all, the metaphysical interpretation of this parable is pretty different. Here we recognize that Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like noticing a treasure hidden within ourselves. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Has everyone had that experience of really noticing something fundamentally worthwhile within themselves? Whether it's an artistic ability, whether it's an ability to really get along well with people, whether it's a certain kind of ability that lends itself to the business world or finding other people whether it's a characteristic that makes it easy to learn languages, a talent, if you will, or an avocation. I bet all of us at one time or another have seen that treasure hidden within ourselves. Especially true, I think, for young kids. It's easy for them to see themselves as fabulous artists or fabulous musicians. But I also know that for most of us, 
or at least many of us at some point in our lives, we hide that treasure away. Now, whether it's someone told us that maybe we really weren't as good at it as we thought we were, maybe someone told us that that talent really wasn't treasured very well in the world, or maybe it was portrayed to us as more like a dream. Oh, you dreamer, that's never going to happen. For whatever reason, I know that many of us have hidden some of our true treasures. And so one metaphysical interpretation of this particular parable is suddenly you realize later on in life, what the heck? Why did I bury that? Why did this talent that I have or, or this desire to do or to be something different, why did I hide that away? Why did my delight, my, my passion, my, my reason for being here on the planet why did I allow myself to put it on the back burner or let it go or find a real job? I remember when I graduated from college with my degree in English and theater, my mom said, well, I hope you're going to be ready to find a real job now. And I have to tell you, it did take the wind out of my sails. And I ended up taking an entry-level job for the telephone company even though I, I viewed myself as being talented in those areas of my life. It, it seemed like a puncture to my balloon because I didn't really see in that moment how I could use those skills in the world to delight myself and others. And so when we have hidden our treasure, when we have lost sight of some of our dreams, when we have put aside that, that idea of what truly we could do that would not only delight us, but make a difference in the world, and then later we discover it, what Jesus is saying here is that it is worth everything that we have to dig that treasure up again, to buy the land that's necessary to once again realize and go for that dream. Well, the third interpretation, as you know, is a personal one. And I think you can tell where we're headed there. But I do want to do a quick quote from the book before we move on. So this is how Erwin Seal talks about this particular parable out of the book. He says, there is indeed a buried treasure in each and every human being. Our potentialities are enormous. Our possibilities are infinite. We are particularly equipped and geared to do everything that we can ever desire to do, and even to do it grandly. But we will never come upon that treasure without work within and upon ourselves to change our own consciousness about everything. Here's where we have to, to really sell everything we have and, and say we're totally on board with reclaiming this treasure. He goes on to say, with any buried treasure, you have to dig in order to get it out. There's effort involved. But this is not all. Before you are granted the right to dig in the field where you have discovered your buried treasure, you have to own that field. You have to be all in. And most people do not own their own minds. So you have to sell what you have, liquidate your holdings, and with the cash, buy that field. Then you truly have the right 
to dig in your own field. And so this isn't something that, that you're going to get permission from someone else. This isn't something that someone else is going to hand you. This isn't something that some other group or some other way of being is going to simply present you on a platter. This isn't a case where simply wishing for something is going to bring it about. We have to be all in. We have to own the land, if you understand the meaning here. We have to own the land that that treasure is really buried under. All right, so let's move on with the third part of the parable. The third interpretation of the parable, of course, is a personal one. And there are three, three different ways of looking at it. First of all, picture yourself as the field itself, that raw potentiality where any number of things can be planted in. In olden times, of course, this treasure would have been planted probably in a plot of land owned by a dirt farmer, the same land that all kinds of useful and edible vegetables are grown in. And so you can think of your treasure as nourishing. You can think of yourself and your treasure as something that is full of life, waiting to spring up, ready to do some work in the real world. So if we're to interpret this personally, what is the gift, the treasure that you bring to the world? What is that, that dream that maybe you had at one time that you put aside? What is that glimmer of the, the future that at some time or other you simply uh, put away? Is it time to take it out again? And what is that gift? What is the treasure that you can bring to yourself, to your family, and to the world? You know, we're at an auspicious period in history right now. Many of us are sequestered at home, and that invitation to figure out what next is very poignant for people right now. And so what next? Seeing yourself as the treasure in the field, what next? The second thing that I want you to think about, think of yourselves as the previous owner of the field. So you're the one that buried the treasure. What was the rationale? Can you remember? Because I think we have to counteract that impulse to bury it, to, to ignore or deny that treasure that we have within. And I'd like to find out what it is in each one of us that might have caused us to hide that treasure to begin with. Because we're apt to hide it again. We're apt to feel defeated again. So to metaphysically interpret this parable on the personal level, I would ask yourself as the previous owner of that field, why did you hide that light? Why did you hide that treasure? Why did you squirrel away some of your best ideas or best efforts? And ask yourself, do those reasons still apply today? If they don't, this is great news. We can dig that treasure up and move forward. But if some of those reasons still apply, we're going to have to do a little work around that. We're going to have to see what we need to change in our thinking that will allow us to move forth and not just have the treasure remain hidden. Begin thinking, if you were the previous owner of that field, if you were the person that allowed some of your dreams to be squashed or your ideas, your grand ideas for moving forward in some occupation or uh, in some way of being, what made you put that aside? 
What made you say, hmm, I guess this isn't for me. As passionate as I am about it, it's just not for me. Are those reasons still in existence? Or can you put them aside? Can you just say, that was me 25 years ago. I'm not limited by that any longer. All right, the third person or the third element that I'd like you to put yourself in the place of, of course, is the finder of the treasure. You perhaps have been thinking about days in the past and you went, wait a minute, whatever happened to my talent for drawing? Whatever, whatever happened to my desire to, to play sports? Whatever happened to, to my grand idea of making a million dollars in writing or the arts or whatever it might be? Suddenly you've discovered that idea again. Uh, and maybe it almost feels like it's discovering something for the first time, right? If you were literally out digging for something and unearthed a treasure, it would come at you like a surprise. Maybe this is something new. Maybe it's a new talent. Maybe it's a new idea. Maybe it isn't something that you've buried before, but something legitimately that has currently astounded you. Can you think what it might be? Spend a moment just thinking about what treasure in yourself might you unearth? Is it a desire to do something completely different? Is it a desire uh, maybe to let go of the job you're in now and, uh, and take on some new activity, take on some new way of being? Is it perhaps a relationship that you want to rekindle or change in some way? Is it an activity that you've been doing for so long that you've ceased even taking pleasure in it? Maybe it's time to do something different. Well, we've taken a look at the, the third way of interpreting parables, which is the, the personal analysis of it. And I'd like to take this idea of personalization one step further, if you're willing in the reset of the planet right now, in this uh, place of being in between, I think this is the perfect time to begin doing a little bit of a visioning around how we see ourselves, our lives, and this treasure that we've been talking about in the future. So if you're willing, I'd like to lead you in just a little bit of visioning. Once again, I invite you to close your eyes. Just sit comfortably in your chair. For those of you who haven't done visioning before, what's going to happen is I'll ask a series of questions. And as you listen to each question, just allow your higher wisdom self, that connection that you have with spirit, allow it to just whisper ideas and pictures and uh, sensations just into your brain. It may come as symbols or words. It may come as pictures or feelings. Just allow your own mind and that connection to spirit to answer these questions. And I'll go very slowly. And so feel free in your own mind to even re-ask the question. And just allow spirit to fill your mind with some of the answers. So we're sitting quietly. If you'd like, close your eyes a bit. Just rest comfortably. And I'll ask the first question. What is Spirit's highest vision of my hidden treasure? 
What is Spirit's highest vision for my hidden treasure? What unexpressed gift, talent, service, or ability have I hidden away? So the question again, what is Spirit's highest vision for my hidden treasure? We ask and we listen. What is Spirit's highest vision for my hidden treasure? What does that treasure look like? What does it feel like? How would you be different if you were that treasure, what is Spirit's highest vision for my hidden treasure? On to the next question. What must I sell or give up in order for this treasure to be uncovered? What must I sell or give up in order for this treasure to be uncovered and used? Is it old ways of thinking? Do I have to sell off some of the some of the ways of being that I have right now, my sense of comfort? Do I have to give that up? What do I have to give up or sell off in order for this treasure to truly be uncovered? Is it fear? Is it uneasy commitments? Is it the desire to play it safe? What must I sell or give up in order for this treasure to truly be uncovered? We ask and we listen. The third question, what investment must I make to claim ownership and use this treasure? Uh, you know, the use of anything is going to require some effort on our part. So what investment must I make to claim ownership and the use of this treasure? Is it an investment in time? Is it an investment of money, perhaps, or resources? What investment must I make to claim ownership and use of this treasure treasure. We ask 
and we listen. What effort am I willing to make? What investment am I willing to make to claim ownership and use of this treasure? On to the next question. Is there a quality of God or a spiritual principle that if I embraced it would make all the difference in this issue? What must I embrace to really facilitate the use of this hidden treasure? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it connection or harmony? What must I embrace? Is it fearlessness and courage? Is it the sure knowledge that in each day I get a do-over and to start over? What spiritual principle or quality of God must I embrace to facilitate the use of this hidden treasure? We ask and we listen. All right, on to the final question. So knowing where we are right now, this is where we have to start. And so there may be next steps involved in the uncovering of this treasure. There may be next steps involved in terms of the investment you have to make or changes that might have to happen. And so the last question is simply, what is the next step? In the unfoldment of this journey of discovery, what is the next step? What's the next step I have to do in the eventual use, recovery of this hidden treasure within me? What is the very next step? We ask and we listen. Let us end this time of visioning with a prayer. There's one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one health, one abundance. There is only this one infinite thing that represents all things. Today I know that it represents love, the love of myself, the love of the treasures that I have within me, 
the love I have for the world and sharing the treasures that I have with others. I recognize that in me there is a unity with spirit, a unity with all life, and that within each one of us that treasure is waiting to be found and to be used. And so I claim I wait no longer. I claim on this day that each of us has that ability to to seize onto and dig up that treasure, to do whatever is necessary to claim it, to be it, to bring it to life once again. Whether it was hidden or whether this is a treasure that has just been discovered, each of us has the right and the ability on this day to say yes. To say yes to putting our activities, our interest, our resources into bringing to light something that the world needs right now. It needs you right now. It needs this treasure that you bring to the world right now. And so for the certainty of this, the certainty of the the power and the treasure that each of us represent, I give great thanks. I'm thankful for this time together. I'm thankful for spirit showing up within each one of us as a treasure, not to be found, but a treasure that has been found, gladly taken up, gladly shown to the universe. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So I want to thank you so much for being with me today. Now is our time of conscious giving. Uh, Of course, the center is physically closed. Our door is locked. uh, But of course, all of our financial obligations do go on, our mortgage payment and so on. So if you would find it in your heart to donate to us, I certainly would appreciate it. We can take donations, of course, through snail mail. But even more effective these days is to go online. So if you go to cslportland.org slash donate, there's a whole page that describes a variety of ways that you might donate to us. The easiest way is uh, through credit card, and there's a link at the bottom of all of our web pages that would help you donate right now. Some of you I know also uh, use Tithely and other means. All of your gifts are so very welcome. We know that this center means a lot to you, and each day as we do have gifts given to us, it, it really is a uh, Well, I have to say it touches my heart to know that people are willing to go to extraordinary efforts to keep this ministry going. And I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Today, I'd like to close with a quote. Actually, it's a a prayer that Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science Mind, wrote. It's titled, My Prayer for My Country. And I uh, I thought it was particularly important to read this, this time of the world. So this is my prayer for my country by Reverend Dr. Ernest Holmes. He says, Believing in the divine destiny of the United States of America and in the preservation of liberty, security, safety, and self-expression, I offer this my prayer for my country. I know that divine intelligence governs the destiny of the United States of America It directs the thoughts and activities of all who guide its affairs. I know that success, prosperity, wholeness, and happiness are the gifts of freedom and are the divine heritage of everyone living here now. 
I know that success, prosperity, happiness, and wholeness are now operating in the affairs of every individual in this country. I know that divine guidance enlightens the collective mind of the people of this country, causing it to know that economic security will come to us all without the loss of either personal freedom or individual self-expression. I know that no one can believe or be led to believe that freedom must be surrendered in order to ensure economic security or wholeness. The all-knowing mind of God contains the answer to every problem that has ever confronted this country, and I know that every leader in this country is now directed to this all-knowing mind and has the knowledge of a complete solution to every problem, and each is compelled to act upon this knowledge to the end that abundance, security, wholeness, and peace shall come to everyone. I also know that this spiritual democracy shall endure, guaranteeing to everyone in this country the personal liberty, the happiness, the safety and wholeness, and self-expression. And so it is. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.